0: Welcome to Ashto Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials, testing, and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson.
1: Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about training. Training is so critical to being able to maintain a high level of competency across your organization, but it's also an ongoing challenge for everyone, including us at Ashto Resource, to keep up with it and to make sure it's effective. And I know we're not alone. Uh, When we go to the laboratories in the program, we talk to them, and we realize that they have the same issues, especially with staff turnover. Uh, Today, we're going to talk to our training manager at Ashto Resource, Ben Sade about the issues with training and what we can do to make it better. Ben, how are you doing today?
2: Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty good. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, So let's talk about challenges here. Why is providing effective training such a challenge?
2: Well, there's a number of things I think you can think of as challenges when it comes to providing effective training. Um, One is definitely finding the, the time and the resources for it. Uh, whether or not you're providing that training in-house yourself or you're sending technicians or staff to external uh, training programs, uh, making sure that the external training program is properly vetted and provides good training, and building your own training program uh, has its challenges as well.
1: Okay, so like, what what kind of things, if you're putting your own training program together, how do you get off on the right foot?
2: I think getting off on the right foot is providing something with several different types of experiences. So you have a lot of different types of learners. You know, you have like your kinesthetic learners, your auditory learners, your visual learners. So making sure you have content that can effectively hit all of those different types of learners is critical. And that takes time to build those. Yeah. So
1: let's explore those terms that you just used because I'm not really familiar with them. Uh, do you want to describe those a little bit more?
2: Sure. So, like kinesthetic learner is somebody who learns best by being hands-on. They want to, you know, actively do something. You might want to say you're going to show them something, but they would rather try it themselves and you help them along the way, than just watch you do it. And then you have somebody who's more of a visual learner. You know, they they want to actually watch you do a, a testing procedure from start to finish, and when they, once they see it, they will be able to do it themselves. You also have people that you know, like to listen to, say, a podcast, or listen to a lecture, or listen to somebody uh, speak, and they get the information best that way.
1: Okay. Well, well that's, that's interesting because I know a lot of the people who are uh, in charge of carrying out training activities at laboratories, they're not necessarily trained on training. Uh, so they may not think about some of these things, you know, they, they are in their positions because of their experience, you know, their knowledge, and their authority. But, you know, like, I, I, I'm, I'm here, I, I'm experienced that you're, you're expressing some terms to me that I hadn't heard before, even though I understand those concepts, how Am I, uh, or is somebody out there in a the laboratory supposed to get a good feel for what kind of learner they're dealing with when they bring a new hire on, or, or even an older, uh, more experienced person uh, that still needs to be trained on some things?
2: Sure. Well, it's really hard to pinpoint that. I mean, you can definitely ask somebody uh, how they best learn something. Like, you could say, hey, if you... Um, Start playing a new card game or a new board game or something like that. How do you like to learn how to play that? Uh, that That's a good trick. Um, or, hey, how do you learn how to make something new in the kitchen? You know, a, a new dish or a new dessert or something like that to kind of get a feel for that if you're ta- tailoring training to an individual new hire. Um, otherwise, though, if your training program is... Going through a lot of people at a time or just every year or something like that, tailoring your training to hit the same points for every type of learner would be more successful in that case.
1: Okay. Now, do you have a feel for what techniques are most commonly successful?
2: The most commonly successful thing I've encountered is the idea of watching something doing something, and then either teaching something or explaining it in a experiential type of way, like a, a newsletter or a blog post or something of that nature.
1: Okay, I so say I'm a laboratory manager. Uh, I've got a new technician hire. Uh, so you're saying I, I, I should explain it to them, uh, show them how I do it, watch them do it, and then have them explain it to someone else. Is that kind of what you're
2: yeah, what you're saying? Okay. Exactly. So they, they might not get a chance to and it, it doesn't have to happen like all at once, you know, like it's not the same week where they're where they're doing this. This can kind of go over time and you can break up each one of those things to have it happen over the course of time. So when I say them watching, you know, they might they might watch you, they might watch a colleague as well. Um, so it just doesn't just have to happen once. And then when they do it, you know, maybe they're doing it, demonstrating it for you. Maybe they're demonstrating it for a coworker or something like that again. And then as far as teaching it to somebody else, you know, we're not going to wait for the next technician to get hired for you to have them teach that person, which will really solidify that learning experience, which they can do eventually. But in the meantime, I would recommend having them, you know, ask why why they're doing the test, what important pieces of data they're getting from it, and things along that nature, tailored to whatever it may be, and have them write a short blog post about it, you know, a couple sentences about about the test method. It gets you thinking and gets you thinking about how you would explain it to another person.
1: Okay. Well, I I know when I'm hiring somebody and training them, I always think of the old idiom, uh, practice makes perfect. Uh, so I think about how many reps somebody needs, how, how, how many times somebody needs to do the same thing over and over again uh, before uh, I, as a manager, feel like they can work independently. Do you have a feel for, for how much, let's say you're training a new assessor uh, on a test method, how many times do you feel like they need to be able to do something or see something before they can be uh, working independently?
2: Uh, that's, it's very different for different people. One of the reasons why our training program is so successful for assessors is the watching part. You know, they, they go to labs over the course of six months of training, and they end up seeing a lot of the test methods multiple times over the course of those six months. So, you know, at the end of the training period, they've probably watched, for example, fine aggregate specific gravity by, you know, a dozen different people, a dozen different times. So when you get to that point, I think you start being able to remember what you're going to see and remember what you would do in certain situations. So that's my kind of loose number there. Okay. Uh
1: with with any of these training programs that you develop, how do you feel confident in the effectiveness of that training?
2: I, I usually gauge effectiveness by asking questions along the way, you know, starting with some easy questions and then just kind of getting more and more into the subject matter. And when you do that, it also is, it's reinforcing what you know as well. So you become not only a better educator, but it makes people think, make, make, make sure that they can answer questions when they're asked them by, for example, laboratory technicians. So getting that feedback uh, along the way and making sure you have appropriate stops after important concepts uh, to ask those questions of people. Because, like I said, you, know, you might be in a section where you're not in the kinesthetic learning fashion, you're lecturing. So maybe somebody who needed to do something hands-on doesn't quite get it. And you know, they're gonna have more questions for you than somebody else who listened to it and gets it. So that's how I gauge that feedback.
1: Okay, now there's another issue that we run into. I feel like uh, quality, you, you, never, you never achieve your ultimate goal, right? We're, we're always improving. Yeah. So exactly. I, yeah, so we're always trying to look at ways, even if we feel like we're doing a, a great job, we wanna do even better. Ah, uh, so we think about improving even a, a, an effective program, and one way that we see that that it, maybe it isn't as good as it could be is sometimes you run into a situation where you've got somebody who you've trained, you feel like they're ready to go, and then something happens where you realize, oh no, they didn't actually understand what was going on, even though I thought they did. How do you how do you get to the point? where you can minimize those incidences so that it, it, you can really shore up the training program for everybody.
2: That's one of the most difficult parts I think you just talked about of having an effective training program is because you, you'll always run into a situation, no matter how, how good or how many times you've you've taught something where somebody just doesn't quite get it. And getting that feedback along the way and Improving when you can is something you're, you're always going to be doing. So I, I hate to say that there's no end to it, but because everybody is so different, you, you can't really uh, just say, oh, well, we've tried everything, so what we gave should be good enough. Mm-hmm. So when you yeah, get so you'd to, have
1: to look at the, the individual's experience is what you're saying.
2: E- exactly. Yeah, because okay. you could have gone through so many different variations of what you did along the years. And then you still run into somebody who, despite you know that they are capable and can learn the information, but somehow they, they missed it that time and you don't get it. So it it's a continual process of just reorganizing that material and, and trying to find better ways of delivering it. And then you also have to get that people have a lot of different life experience. You know, you, you get people into construction industry. I have a lot of different life experiences. So figuring out what those are and understanding that people kind of know what they already know. And when they don't know something, tailoring what you're trying to teach them to what they already know is hugely beneficial. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, th- th- these, what what you're saying now, I'm thinking two things. Uh, one I know as a trainer, I should be spending a little bit more money, uh, time and effort up front to learn more about my uh, trainee uh, so that I can have a better outcome, right? That's one thing that's clear to me. Uh, the other one you just touched on is when you have a, uh, somebody come in, and this happens all the time in our industry. You've got somebody who's already been a technician somewhere else, uh, or they've, they've got some experience in the industry and they're coming in And they they need to be redeployed under your banner, right, if you've hired them. And you probably need to do some training with them, but you have to acknowledge that they already have some experience going in. So you don't really want to train them like a new hire. So how do you deal with that situation uh, effectively? Because you've got, as you know, not only are they going to come, uh, they're going to save you some time because they're going to know a lot of things. But they're also going to probably have been taught something that isn't quite right somewhere along the way. And you want them to represent your company uh, the best way possible. So you may need to uh, retrain them or, or have them unlearn something and then relearn it the right way. But do you have any advice for our listeners on that issue?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. I It, it, comes, up, it comes up frequently for me as well. Like I was talking about earlier, that people kind of, they know what they know already. And in this case, they know probably more because they, they already have experience, you know, at another lab or something like that. And so I would I would say the, the best advice I could give is, you know, make sure you're not talking down to, to those people and understand that they are very experienced and, you know, make sure that you're reinforcing during training that, you know, you, you know this. And then from there, guide the training process, instead of saying, explaining an entire test, you know, just um, going over certain aspects of it that are important to your organization that you want that person to be retrained on. So, you know, you acknowledge that they understand what they're doing and then guide them from there.
1: Right, and it could be something, this is another thing that comes up, is that oh well i didn't need to train that person because they already you know they already know they're already a certified technician but you you also when you hire somebody they need to learn about more than just the technical aspects of their job they need to learn how to report results Uh, they need to understand any of your hr policies safety uh other duties they have housekeeping Uh, (laughs) right now for us accessing the building is something that you need to be trained on some people check equipment. They need to be trained on that. How do you incorporate all those? I mean, there's so many things that they need to be trained on. Uh, and I know our program, we usually focus on the technical aspects. And I have no idea if people are even keeping records of those other training activities. But how do you stay on top of all those things?
2: That's, that's a lot to stay on top of, especially you know for smaller organizations. We, we do an excellent job of it because we're able to spread it out over a lot of different you know, people in our in our management group, and that definitely helps. The only advice I, I could give for you know keeping on on top of those sort of things is to to pay attention to the way you're you're keeping records and uh, to keep on top of that. little bits at a time help to make sure that you know everybody's getting what they need and funneling it through your person responsible for training. Okay.
1: We, we've talked a lot about how to, to come up with and execute an optimal training program, but I know that some of our listeners are probably rolling their eyes at some of the issues because they are always pressed for time, and and they think, okay, well, you know, that's all great, but we need to get these guys out there doing their jobs as soon as possible when they when they come in. How can people not only be effective with their training programs, but also be efficient with the time it takes to get people out there doing their jobs?
2: That's a great question. That, and that's another thing that's you know, difficult because you, you want to make sure that people are actually doing the job you, you hired them for and, and not just training. But that initial upfront training is going to be critical to Actually keeping somebody on that job longer, um, one of the leading causes of people leaving organizations is you know they're not fully comfortable with what they're doing so they they don't want to do it so they'll leave and, and go somewhere else. So I know it, it sounds like a lot of initial upfront time, but that time is is critical for developing that person's abilities and skills. And because of that, and because they feel comfortable doing the job that you hired them to do, they're going to stay longer and you're going to end up having to spend less time training new staff.
1: Yeah. So there's some efficiencies right there. So maybe maybe you spend a little more time up front, but you save time later on. That That's a great point. Now, now we're talking a lot about training, how to train effectively. So uh, that requires somebody to learn how to be a trainer. What resources are out there for somebody who wants to become a better trainer?
2: Oh, there's quite a bit. There are national courses on, you know, training trainers out there from a bunch of different organizations. I highly recommend them. It is a completely different task going from just a regular manager to somebody who is who's actively training people. And that that experience, learning how to develop effective content for that training and and delivering it is um, definitely critical.
1: Okay. What are some of the things you've learned that make a training session? You know, uh, when when I've trained people, before I learned about training techniques, uh, I would just do, okay, here's what you need to do with your job. Uh, I want to see you do it. And I'm not going to let you do it independently until I know you get it. Uh, what what ways, you know, like as far as designing the training program is concerned, uh, do you want to talk can you, or can you talk a little bit about how you develop that training program and set objectives and all of those things?
2: I think everybody likes to know what they are going to do and they're going to be doing. So definitely a, a schedule that lays out, you know, what the process is what lessons are going to be there for you to get that skill and the associated learning objectives with, with those lessons. So, you know, laying out exactly what you want them to get by the end of what you're trying to show them is critical. So they, they know upfront what they're going to do. And then when you get to the end, you know, you, you kind of reflect on those with the learner and ask them, you know, did I get all to all of these points on here, and, and do I need to expand on any of them? And that's a good point where you can honestly figure out more about the type of learner that person is, um, because maybe you had a, a few of few different elements in lesson five, for example, that were completely visual. It was just pictures or something like that, and all, you're getting a lot of questions in in that section, so you can there's a chance for your feedback to enhance your training program and you can also help that person as well during that time.
1: Well, Ben, uh, you came up with a lot of great stuff today. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. And if any of our listeners out there have questions about improving their training, can they reach out to you and ask you for advice?
2: absolutely i'm always happy to talk about that i i enjoy talking with people about training anytime Um, i also have a lot of contacts in the industry that are also training managers in asphalt and in soil and in aggregate so there's a lot of resources out there and there's there's a community of educators in this industry that i think a lot of people maybe didn't know about so, give me a shout anytime. Uh, my contact information is on our website.
1: All right. And we've also got uh, the technical exchange, uh, which hopefully will be back in person in the future so we can have those again, where we usually have a train the trainer session. Uh, and I believe we're going to have some webinars in the future to discuss a lot of topics. Training may be one of them. Uh, Kim, Swanson, our producer, did we leave any scraps on the table here? Is there anything else we need to explore?
0: I was just kind of interested and you've talked a lot about kind of the onboarding training when somebody's starting a position or a new with the organization. But how does that change when like there's a change in the standard and you need to retrain somebody for that or you're training someone that's been with your organization for years and then there's just a new you're adding a new scope and there's new training with that so does that change anything when it's a not an onboarding activity it's a continual activity
2: yeah there's there's some changes i think you can consider there Uh, as far as you know say a standard changes and you want to make sure that people are updated on that Uh, i I think the uh, i know some some worst ways to do it and uh I think I know some best ways. I think the worst ways is to have a meeting about it. I, I think that that's not gonna be effective. If there's changes in a standard, I think of almost like um, changes to like an app on your phone, you get an app update or a software update. You know, There's a few things that might've changed and somebody found it important enough to let you know about it. So we're gonna do the same thing here. Very short, sweet, memo of of a some type that outlines exactly why it changed, you know, why that's important and, and what we need to do moving forward to address that is going to get everybody's attention for that particular item. When you talk about adding entirely new scopes, I've I've definitely encountered that when I was a laboratory assessor. You have a lab that say, you know, you did soil and aggregate Testing for a long time, and everybody's very competent with those. And they decide that they're going to add uh, superpave testing, so you know uh, asphalt testing. And they buy a bunch of new equipment, and and get that set up. And you need to have an entirely new training program for that. What we're going to do is is draw off of skills from what we're already familiar with. You know, uh, for example, in asphalt, you have specific gravity testing. Uh, you do as well in soil and aggregate so when you are building a training for that new asphalt specific gravity test make sure you're relating it to what we already know and what we already do with our other materials and then diversifying that content so that you are hitting every type of learner and providing practical hands-on experience uh, as a part of that training as well
1: well, good. And you know, there's only one other thing that I had to, that I had been thinking about as we were talking, and it's not so much a question as a comment for our listeners, is uh, we, we've been talking about effective training, efficient training, uh, continual improvement of your training program, design uh, of your training program, but I, I want everybody to consider that they, there are times, scheduled times, that you have built into your quality management system if you're an Ashdo accredited lab and conformance with ASHDOR 18 or if you're uh, just maintain a quality management system in conformance with uh, ISO IEC 17025, uh, you have internal audits that are scheduled every year. That is a great time to audit your training program. You can look at your uh, staffing to make sure everybody's trained on the work that they do, and you can consider conversations. I would recommend highly having conversations with your training manager or whoever's responsible for training, to ask them what they're doing. Uh, how, are they, how can they make it better? Uh, that, that's also a good discussion for a management review uh, where you have your top management asking that training manager what's going on and what what's planned uh, for improvement, what's been done over the last year. Keep improving all the time with whatever you do. Uh, training improvements are gonna pay off uh, big time with retention, like Ben said and also just with your overall quality of work. Our guest today was Ben Sade, the training manager from Ashto Resource. Ben, thanks for being on the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me, Brian. I look forward to discussing training further with everybody here at, at Ashto and also any customers that would like to reach out, I'm available.
0: Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240-436-4820. For other news and related content, check out AASHTO Resources Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.